0: with your main Chip Washington. When it comes to information, the main got an arsenal. Bring you up to speed with what you need. He's a local and nationwide news feed. Let's talk about it. Dialect to do something about it. Chip got the flow wide open if you got questions about it. Man, it's the show that brings you to your raw to solve all problems.
1: And here we go, here we go on this Monday, October 18th, 2021. Real Talk Memphis is on the air. Chip is back in the air chair. The gang is all here. We are fired up and ready to go. Very happy to have you with us uh, on. Uh, this Monday, a beautiful Monday, it was absolutely gorgeous today. And I hope you had a chance to get outside and enjoy some of that uh, nice fresh air. And, and I hope that you've been well since the last time we corresponded. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been here. But uh, back and uh, feeling good, ready to go. And hopefully we will have a good broadcast for you tonight. And you should tune in, you should check it out, you should tell somebody because this is going to be the best hour of your life. Now, you're asking yourself, self how do i get this fine piece of radio broadcasting well uh you can do it any number of ways you can check us out on the air right now 91.7 on your FM dial WYXR you can also go to the website which is wyxr.org and uh hit the listen live button and you can catch us you can catch us on the tune in app put in WYXR in the search and hit play and of course uh we are a podcast so We will be posted tomorrow. So there's absolutely no excuse at all for you to miss this radio show. And, yeah, we're doing the Facebook Live thing as well, too, if you want to check that out. We have a very good show for you tonight. It's all about the ladies in this week's edition of the show. All fine, uh, upstanding um, women are going to be here talking about a variety of subjects Of course, this is both Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we are going to talk about both of those issues, very serious issues, of course, uh, with uh, some folks that can give us uh, some knowledge about that, and we're going to open it up in a few minutes uh, with uh, the new president, relatively new president, of Rust College. That's right, HBCU in Holly Springs, Mississippi, Dr. Ivy Taylor will join me in a very few minutes. But before we even move forward, uh, many of you know uh, the station had its uh, pledge drive week uh, that just ended, uh, I believe, Saturday or yesterday, reached its goal. The station reached its goal 100%. So I want to personally thank each and every one of you who contributed, uh, who gave, in your support and encouragement of this station. It means you like what we're doing around here. Uh, Kudos to Robbie and kudos to JB and kudos to Shelby and all the folks uh, who helped to keep this thing together on a daily basis. I did not participate this year in this particular pledge drive, but I'm always, you know, uh, pushing and making sure that this station is well represented because I like being here I like the station, I like the personalities, and I like that you like the station as well. So glad to have, uh, you know, you all with us. And uh, keep telling folks so we can grow and grow and grow and grow. And again, congratulations uh, on uh, reaching the pledge goal. Before we move any farther, this is the time of the broadcast where we celebrate you, whether it is a birthday, an anniversary, or a special occasion. And we do that with a special theme. Hit it, Jack. Now, I will tell you that, you know, when I promote the fact that you can get a shout out, you know, on the show for your birthdays, normally, you know, I get a tepid response. Today, kind of crowded, so let's get into it. Happy birthdays go out to Lawanda Braxton Tally I know her. Happy birthday, Lawanda. Val Wright celebrating today. Joe Collins, it's your birthday. Happy birthday to Tracy Allen, Monique Pru- Pruitt. Penny Serpico Fry. Happy birthday out to Kelly Evans. Don Sugar Ray. Sylvester Tate. That name sounds familiar. That's Tate Computers. That's that fella right there. Happy birthday to you, sir. Happy birthday to Pat Hamilton. Brenda Thomas Freelix. Jackie Williams celebrating today. And Trey Baker. Also... Happy birthday goes out to Reese Garrison. He's 15 today, and this is from his grandma, Linda Harris, a great supporter of uh, the big broadcast. And happy birthday later on this week to Curtis and Betty Ushery from your daughter, Tina Lee Merchancy. And uh, last but, of course, not least, my guy, my boy. I know him as the Chief Party. The chief party rocker himself, Carl Roberts, who is a radio personality right here on this fine station. Sunday afternoons from 1 to 2 playing that cool jazz. Tomorrow is his birthday. I hear we're shutting the city down. October 19th, Carl's birthday. Shutting the city down. We're going to party like it's, what is it? What is it? 1999 or 2021 or whatever it is. But happy birthday to each and every one of you. And if you're celebrating and you didn't get in here, or you had an anniversary, a special occasion, congratulations to each and every one of you. Thank you very much, Jack. So, uh, as uh, many of you have no doubt heard, yeah, happy birthday. As, no, as, as uh, no doubt many of you have heard, uh, we are mourning the death of General Colin Powell. Uh, he died uh, today, uh, 84 years old of uh, complications of covid and he also had cancer. So he had some, uh, some, some pretty tough uh, uh, um, physical ailments there. Of course, he was the first black secretary of state. He was a general. He was an American hero. He was a patriot. Uh, he served uh, like three or four presidents um, and just highly thought of not only domestically but around the world, tributes uh, pouring in all day uh, for him again. Uh, great man. Um, And uh, the country is mourning his loss uh, today. General Colin Powell, uh, dead of COVID complications uh, at the age of 84. May he uh, rest in blessed peace and be be a blessing uh, to us all. Uh, Getting into some news and notes. uh, Well, many of you have noticed that the COVID numbers are starting to decline a bit. We are seeing daily numbers, uh, cases declining. Uh, children cases declining, uh, deaths are slowing down a little bit as well. Of course, uh, you can get a booster right now, the Pfizer booster. Uh, they are probably going to announce any day now the Moderna and the J&J uh, boosters will be available for emergency use authorization. So if you took any, either of those two, uh, stay tuned and keep your ears open open for when you can get a booster should you choose to do so. Uh, There is also, of course, uh, anticipation from some in reference to the fact that children ages 2 to 11 uh, will be able to uh, get vaccinated as well. Uh, Maybe sometime around the end of the month. uh, We'll see uh, whenever that conversation happens, but they're talking about it. And uh, again, I asked this question before. will uh, Will you allow your child... Uh, that young to get a COVID shot? How do you feel about all of this? Now, many of you are anti-vaxxers out there. We get all that. And I'm going to say what I always say. Get vaccinated because it's not only for you, but it's for other folks around you as well. So, But the big question is, when it is approved for the younger generation, will you allow your children to get it? I'd like to see a little back and forth here on Facebook Live if you so choose to say either yes or no or what have you. Vaccination mandates for businesses around the country with 100 employees or more vaccination mandates. This is causing a big issue and it's starting to swell up uh, around the country. Police departments in particular, Chicago, Baltimore, Seattle, and a few others, their unions are telling their employees, their their officers, don't do it. We don't want the government to infringe on our rights um, as to what we do with our bodies. Um, So that could cause a lot of problems. But what people may not understand or know is that more, all law enforcement officers in this country have died from being exposed to COVID, you know, so you might think that getting a vaccination might be a good thing in order to be able to keep your job. And again, keep yourself safe and keep your family safe, but it's a big deal in Chicago. I can tell you that right now. And with the crime problem in Chicago, That's the last thing they need. And uh, so we'll see how all this uh, shakes out. A lot of businesses around this country, including here in Tennessee, are not too thrilled with the fact that uh, we have to vaccinate. We have to. We're being told that if we don't vaccinate, we are going to lose our job. So, again, work in progress. See how all this uh, pans out as time moves along. I can tell you right now the legislature in the state of Tennessee doesn't like it and they're about to have a special session to change, try to change a whole bunch of rules uh, in reference to health departments and uh, the COVID-19 response and, and um, the mask mandates and uh, optional mask mandates and the whole nine yards. So, again, stay tuned. Got an email today from work, uh, which kind of lets me know that we're changing the seasons, and flu season is really about here now. Generally in October, uh, going through the first couple of months of uh, the new year, uh, so, it might be time to start looking into that flu shot. Uh, for those of you who get flu, I get one every year. I know people who don't get the flu shot every year and say they have never gotten the flu. Okay, well, you know, keep hanging in there. Keep hanging in there. We'll see what happens with that. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I don't know if uh, how many of you are football fans, college football fans. Over the weekend, big game at uh, UT between the University of Tennessee and Old Miss. And, well, Got a little sloppy there at the the very end of the game. 54 seconds left. There was a very uh, uh, disputed call that was made. And uh, Tennessee fans didn't like it. And they started throwing stuff all over the field, water bottles, golf balls, um, mustard bottles, and I'm still working on the mustard bottle aspect of things. Uh, The Tennessee, uh, the uh, Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin got hit uh, with a golf ball. It's kind of a dangerous situation. I mean, the, the dance team had to leave. The band actually got up out of the out of the stands and left. Um, as it stood now, or as it stands now, 18 people were arrested, and 47 people were, were removed from the stadium after the garbage throwing incident at the game. Uh, it's a bad look. It's a bad look all the way around. It's just a bad look. I mean, you know, I mean, we all have teams that we root for, support and encourage and everything like that, and a lot of times there are bad calls that are made, but that that goes beyond the pale. You know, we can show ourselves better than that, and I'm probably sure that uh, after all is said and done, they will at UT. If you're a big basketball fan, the uh, Grizzlies, the NBA kicks off actually tomorrow night, but the Grizzlies play on Wednesday night, their first home game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Your mask is required. You also need to show proof of a negative COVID test, you know, or that you have been vaccinated. Yeah, so prepare for that. So don't go in there saying that you didn't know, nobody told you, because I just did. And before I uh, move on uh, to uh, other business at hand, like the show, uh, I want to give a West Coast shout out. I have family members in California, and uh, I want to shout out uh, cousins Barbara and her husband, Elliot and cousins Kenny, Dale, and Curtis. Now, I don't know if they're listening or not, but, but you know, every now and again, they, 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 they check me out. So I just wanted to say, you know, just saw them recently and uh, had a good time, uh, great visit with them. So uh, shout out to the West Coast folks from Real Talk Memphis here in Memphis, Tennessee. We are going to take our first break, and when we come back, Hopefully, we will have the president of Rust College. She is Dr. Ivy Taylor. This is Real Talk Memphis. Glad to be back. Glad you're here with us. I'm Chip. You know who you are. Quick break. Right back.
3: This is Bishop Phoebe Rofe
4: of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. at WYXR 91.7 FM to hear conversations with community leaders about the role of faith in their lives. That's Faithfully Memphis right here on WYXR FM.
3: Super.
1: Hey, Memphis. My name is Ron Buck. I am looking forward to bringing you my show, Riverside, every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. I will be playing rock and blues, old and new, and featuring Memphis music and events. I hope you'll tune in to Riverside every Friday at 1 p.m. on WYXR 91.7 FM, Raised by Sound. very glad you are along for the ride, and I told you we would have a really good show, and we're going to talk about higher education. We're going to start things off on a, on a, on a fine note from one of the finest established HBCUs, and for those uninformed, historically black colleges and universities, um, of one of which I worked back in the day, Tougaloo College. We are very fortunate and very pleased to have the president of Rust College She is Dr. Ivy Taylor. And Dr. Taylor, uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it.
3: Well, good evening. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So first of all, uh, how long have you been president at Rust?
3: I've been president at Rust since June 1st of 2020.
1: OK, so it's been a year. It's been it's been some time. Yes. Man. Yeah. OK. So and and I, I know of where you came and one of the one of the uh, your, your, your past positions. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But okay. <laughs> but 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 so 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 tell me I, I, I keep seeing and I'm hearing good things going on at Rust. It sounds like you're, you're revving the engine and you guys are really starting to move forward, uh, getting new students and and, and starting to offer um, 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 quite an agenda of classes and other activities. Tell us a little bit about what's going on at Rust College.
3: Wow, there's so much going on at Rust College. I really hit the ground running in last June and have assembled a great team. And of course, we're building on a tremendous legacy there. But, you know, we are looking at making improvements in so many ways at Rust, Mm -hmm. who are strengthening our curriculum, making improvements to the campus, and then sharing our story, because I think we've been a well-kept secret. We've been keeping to ourselves a little bit too much down in Holly Springs. So we need to let folks know about all the exciting things going on. Just one example, we recently signed an agreement with University of Mississippi. Okay. It's a three plus two, uh, degree program where students can come to Rust for three years and study math, and then they can automatically be in, entered into Ole Miss for two years to study engineering. Okay. So that's really a great way for students to get the best of both worlds, to have the supportive family oriented environment of a small HBCU like Russ, and then all the great resources of a flagship uh, University of Mississippi, for a popular major like engineering. That's just one example of the types of changes we're making at Rust.
1: Well wow, that's that's and that's a and that's a pretty big deal and a pretty big change. Now, uh, if I'm to understand correctly, you are the first female president in the history of, of, of Rust uh, college and I guess I would like to ask, you know, what makes it so special? You've been there about a year now. And so, um, you know, you pretty much absorbed into the Holly Springs, you know, <laughs> a, a way of life, quiet, peaceful. But what makes Rust College so special, in your opinion? I think Rust is so
3: special for a number of reasons. First, just the history dating all the way back to 1866, right. you know, just the idea of people getting together to ensure that previously enslaved people uh, have the opportunity for education where we are physically located. We're located on uh, previous slave auction grounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have reminder every single day of from whence we came and we have a tremendous uh, history and connection to the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've had a Freedom Riders staying on campus there at Russ. And okay. We've had student leaders who were involved in the movement. And we're building on that legacy started by Ida B. Wells, who was a student at Russ back when it was known as Shaw University. So oh she got her early Uh, training and education at Russ College and just the family oriented supportive environment. I think our geography is amazing as well. You have the opportunity as a student to focus on your studies in a small town, but you have all that a, a big city like Memphis offers in your backyard just 35 miles away plus the premier kind of college town. Uh, yeah. for the state of Mississippi and Oxford is just 30 miles away as well. So yeah. I think it's great.
1: So you're surrounded, you know, you're surrounded on one side and on the other side of Memphis and, yeah. and, and Oxford. That's a that's a big deal. So, um, um, and, and ladies and gentlemen, in case you're joining us, I'm speaking with Dr. Ivy Taylor. She is the president of Rust College. And um, before you came to Rust College, am I correct in, uh, in that I understand that you were actually... The mayor of San Antonio, Texas? That is
3: correct. Oh. I was a big city mayor
1: before coming to Russ. First black
3: mayor there in San Antonio. Second woman, but there were 40 years between me and the first woman. Wow. So it was
1: kind of like being the first woman. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say absolutely <laughs> that. So so you you were a big city mayor in San Antonio, Texas. Now you are the first female president at Russ College. What enticed you? What was the what was the turning point? What was the selling point uh, for you to come to that beautiful campus?
3: Well, after working at my background is in urban planning and after working to improve neighborhoods and bring investment to inner cities through affordable housing and, you know, other types of investments. After doing that work for some years, I had the light bulb moment of recognizing that. Uh, investing in people through providing them access to education was really the way to change communities for the better and to mm. give families more opportunities to advance. And so I was on the board of another HBCU, which is located in Austin and that's what introduced me to HBCU. So I kind of purposed in my heart that I wanted to be the president of an HBCU because I thought I could use the leadership skills that I gained leading a city in uh working to lead and preserve one of our HBCUs. And, you know, we only have about 105 HBCUs left nationally. That's right. So this is important work to preserve them so that they are a resource that remain for uh, generations to come.
1: Well, that's very, that's very fascinating. And as as I said at the beginning, I actually worked at Tougaloo College in uh, Mississippi, uh, Mm -hmm. which is an HBCU, very quiet, peaceful campus. And I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, and and but, but, you know, I think one of the things I enjoyed the most is just engaging with the young people, that, yeah. that energy, that spirit. Talk a little bit about, about that. And you see that every single day out there, and that must be very rewarding um, in and of it itself. It
3: definitely is. It's a lot more rewarding than um, maybe disgruntled citizens at city council meetings. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great to see the energy the creativity, uh, and the optimism of our young people to be inspired by that on a daily basis to see the opportunities that they are, uh, pursuing, you know, through the various leadership, uh, programs that they're in. We just had a couple of students who were, uh, picked for an auto zone, uh, uh, competition for oh, wow. an internship. We have two references two students that are doing that, you know, we had a student who was one of the White House um, scholars, HBCU scholars oh, this wow. year, okay. Uh, okay. you know, we're reviving our debate team and they're involved in some interesting things. Um, so, uh, you know, we've, we've got students engaged in all kinds of activities, our student athletes, we've even got a, 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 a kind of classic uh, club called the ebony fashion do you remember ebony fashion fair yeah that was yeah i do
1: remember that yeah yeah. absolutely we
3: have a a ebony fashion club at rust trying to make sure everybody stays on point with their appearance (laughs) so you know we and of course our legacy as it relates to music you know our choir the Mm -hmm. rust college acapella choir
1: yes Yes. and
3: then we're working to build our band as well so the students are engaged in all types of wonderful activities and they are uh inspiring
1: wow that's you know what? That, that 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 sounds very very exciting to me, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you uh, this question uh, because I'm curious to know. You know, you, you seem like someone who is a visionary and and is looking down the road. So tell me what Rust College looks and feels like in another year or maybe two, in your eyes.
3: In another year or two, we are going to have. Uh, some exciting new academic offerings at Russ. We actually in the process right now, looking at some new majors uh, like forensic science and physics. Um, We're gonna have some exciting new majors. We're gonna have improved uh, facilities uh, at the campus and we will have grown our student population attracting uh, some of the brightest scholars in the Mid-South. So we are excited about all that's ahead. You know, actually we're going to be celebrating our Founders Week um, coming up in November. And the theme for our Founders Celebration is Ready for the Rustian Renaissance.
1: The Rustian Renaissance.
3: Yes, the Rustian Renaissance. So we are entering a new phase uh, a higher, a higher level. You remember the Harlem Renaissance? We weren't around; it was almost a hundred years ago. Right. But everything that was produced, all the artistry um, that was produced from those days, still serves as an inspiration. And so, we're ready for our own Rustian Renaissance at Rust College.
1: Rustian Renaissance. I yeah. like it. I like it. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you right now, they got the right one. It, it, it seems to me you know, to lead this campus to great things in. The future. And before I go, you know, I know a few of your folks down there. So say hello to Talia and to Big Frank and to Doc. I know all those folks pretty well. (laughs) Oh,
3: great. They are wonderful members of our team. And if you want to come see them, say hello in person, uh, come down, bring some teenagers to our Rust College preview day which is coming up on Saturday, October 23rd for prospective students to come check out Russ.
1: See, that's what that's what good presidents do. See, y'all (laughs) was recruiting. I like that. I like that. Listen, Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your time to to talk to our audience about uh, beautiful Russ College. And I wish you nothing but the greatest success in the future. And anytime you got something going on down there that you want to talk about, Real Talk is the place. Okay. Okay. sounds great. Thank Thank, you. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Dr. Ivy Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, getting it done at Russ College and then uh, all those other folks that I mentioned as well. Before I go to break, uh, I want to thank, I see Kevin uh, has tuned in uh, tonight, and Johnny, uh, I see you. Uh, cousin cousin Kenny, I see you as well, and Deborah Brown Bingham from Jackson, Mississippi, checking things out tonight. Appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Keep uh, watching, keep listening, and uh, keep supporting uh, the big broadcast. We are going to take our next break. And when we come back, we're going to get into a very serious subject. Uh, As I said earlier, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And my next guest is not only a survivor, but she is an advocate. And she will tell us all in a very frank and honest discussion how not to be a victim of domestic violence. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. Right back.
0: Hi there, this is Zach Ives. My show, A Box of Records, plays every Tuesday night, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. right here on WYXR 91.7 FM, Memphis, Tennessee.
4: (laughs) everyone this is janet host of jaunt with janet wednesdays from 4 to 6 p.m. bringing you new releases in the rock pop and electronic genres with a little bit of the old fused in all here on WYXR Memphis 91.7 fm
2: Bill's Kiln, now on Mondays at midnight, WYXR 91.7 FM, Memphis. I'm listening.
1: And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. As always, uh, very happy to have you with us. Uh, I'm your humble host, Chip Washington, and uh, as uh, we said uh, a bit earlier, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and of course, it is a it is a it's is, is a big problem, not only here but 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 nationally as well. And of course, COVID. Uh, didn't do much to uh, take it down a notch. It actually exacerbated it in many ways. And actually the problem got even worse because of the stress of uh, job loss and sickness and and a lot of other, um, you know, things that uh, came into play that may have made a strained relationship uh, even worse. Well, uh, I'm very fortunate to have someone uh, with me tonight uh, who is – not only a survivor, but she is a, an advocate uh, for uh, victims of domestic violence. Uh, I, we kid because, because I have her on every year um, because I, this is a very important topic uh, to discuss and a very, uh, and very important uh, subject as well. So uh, please welcome Ms. Gwen Turner. And Gwen, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you. You know that.
4: Thank you for having me. And you know, when you call, I'm gonna answer eventually. Yes. I'm gonna
1: ask. Yeah, that, yeah, I like that eventually part, but you you, <laughs> you do. But listen, thank I you. Will so, answer. Absolutely, absolutely, you will all the time. So, so Gwen, you know, you and I talked offline a little bit about all of this, and of course, mm-hmm. this this problem is a is an ever consistent and, and an ever persistent and a dangerous problem. Um, and we, but we've also seen it probably escalate even more. Maybe you have. Uh, since yeah. the advent of COVID. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you've seen and, and kind of what you've heard and talked about during all of this?
4: Absolutely. Uh, great question and and great conversation. Uh, before the pandemic, before COVID hit and, and everything got as crazy as it did, mm-hmm. there was already an epidemic right. a stage of domestic violence here in Memphis and Shelby County. So it made it a double pandemic. Uh, one reason being safe at home was not necessarily safe, safe at home right, right. for uh, people experiencing domestic violence issues. Mm-hmm. And not only did it increase in the intimate partner relationships, but family violence, which is also another form of domestic violence Mm. increase. Mm -hmm. And when I say that uh, you you have people who are closed into a residence, a lot of people used work as a refuge or as a place to go to kind of separate from the tension in the household. And then to compound on that, the children intensified all of the things that were going on in the household because you had the parents, you had the siblings and you had the children there. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that uh, we really noticed was the impact that it had on the children because a lot of times the children were in school when some of the violence or some of the tension would go on. But when the pandemic hit, then everybody was at home. Right, right. they talk about uh, the the issues with children not being in school on a educational level, but also on an emotional level, because a lot of them got a chance to internalize even more of the issues that were going on in the household. Mm-hmm. If you had two parties in the household, say intimate partner relationship, and both persons lost their job. Mm-hmm. So you had several layers added on to something that was already going on. You already have domestic violence issues going on, be it verbal or emotional Mm -hmm. or whatever the phase was. And then you add a layer of no money on there. You add a layer of no job on there. You have a layer, you know, you add all these layers. So yes, it did intensify.
1: So. You know when we when we talk about this and when we think about this, you know a lot of times we talk about you know the victims of domestic violence, and I'm sure as an advocate and as someone who you know who has really devoted your you know your life to this. One of the things that that I have heard in the past and that people are even still talking about, you know, in terms of being a victim, it's it's like they can't get out of it. I mean, why stay in it? You know, the question always comes, well, you know, if you're in a situation where somebody's beating up on you and and, and not treating you with respect um, (laughs) as they should, why stay in that situation? And you do find that a lot of people, unfortunately, do stay in those unfortunate circumstances. Am I correct in that?
4: Absolutely. And there, for every victim, there is another reason. Now I'm just going to name off some of the reasons because we think as a community and as people, well, if it's not going right, get out. Right. But my first statement would be my struggle. I stayed off and on in a bad relationship for over 20 years. Mm. I tell people when the head and the heart conflict, then that's, that's a great war going on because your head may say, you don't need to be here. You don't need to do this. And, you know, this is not right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through these things. But when your heart is saying something else, but I love him, but I feel like I love him, mm-hmm. then that's an issue. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's an inner conflict right. that victims have to deal with that most people don't think about. It's You can say you'll leave, you know, I left 15 times, but I went back. Mm-hmm. So it's all about gaining that courage to leave and stay gone and realize that you're worth more. Then when children are involved, I may tell my sister or my brother, cause we do know men experience domestic violence and that's sure. on the rise now. I may tell them to leave, but I didn't offer them my couch to sleep on.
1: Mm. Mm, you I know, you. so
4: yeah. where do they go?
1: Where do they go? Yeah, exactly. Where
4: do they go? And if you have children involved, I may tell you to leave, but I didn't tell you, well, I'm going to babysit your children while you go to work.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm. I, I didn't say that. Or you may tell me to leave, but that uh, my partner was the the uh, breadwinner of the household. Mm-hmm. I don't have a job. Mm. And not only do I not have a job, I don't have an education. So it's not always so easy to leave. And now in the times that we're living in now, it gets even harder because we're finding that the day you decide to leave for a lot of victims, that's the most dangerous time of the relationship.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
4: So mm -hmm. uh, there needs to be a plan in place. It's not always conducive to just get up and leave because suppose that abuser follows you.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, and we've uh, seen we've seen a lot of cases of that too. Yeah, we, absolutely,
4: yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, you
1: mentioned something, and and if you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking with Gwen Turner. She is a domestic violence uh, advocate as well as a survivor. But you mentioned something a few minutes ago about the head and the heart and the yes. conflict between them both. So yes. once you deal with the conflict between the head and the heart, and you get to as you say a place. Where, mm-hmm. you know what, it's time, I, I, I can't do this anymore, yeah. it's time to go. Yeah. What, what What is that place? I mean, I know that the place is like, I gotta go. But, I mean, you know, from how do you get past the conflict between the emotional and the mental in terms of, of this?
4: And I have to say again that with every person, that's a different struggle. Right. And it is a struggle. For me, it was... uh continuing to look in the mirror and say, you can't keep getting these black eyes. You never saw your parents go through anything like this. Hmm. God has something better for you. So I had to talk to myself. I mean, I really had to talk to myself and say, it's okay to love him from a distance because that's what I had to do. Mm -hmm. I had to love him from a distance. And most of all, I had to keep saying I got to love me more than I love anybody Mm -hmm. because if my love for me is not effective with me, then it's certainly not going to be effective to love somebody else. So I say when you get to the point where you love yourself more than you love anyone else, then it helps you get to that common ground easier. It's still a struggle but when you get to the point where you say hey i'm going to love me better than anybody else can love me right then it kind of triggers your you know your heart into saying okay i got to love from a, a different place i got to get away from here
1: you know Gwen. Uh, a lot of uh, uh people also talk about the fact that there's a that there's a shame a lot of people are ashamed uh oh, God, you know yeah. i mean i mean and that seems to be you know, really, really a, a, a big issue for a lot of people maybe staying in a situation um, that they know that they shouldn't be in or that they know that they shouldn't stay in. Talk about that, because I'm pretty sure that when you talk to as many people as you do, that's one of the topics that comes up to shame.
4: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to actually speak from that again from a personal experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, a lot of people know me as a gospel singer. Yes. My, my abuser was a pastor. Hmm. So, and we were picture pretty. We looked good mm-hmm, together, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I called that picture pretty. So my, uh, my ploy was to how, who's going to believe the little gospel singer over the big preacher?
1: Wow. Okay. So yes, there, there, there is, was
4: yeah. some shame, and then you talk to people who are connected to the both of you, mm-hmm. who who really have no dog in that fight, right? But who are connected to the both of you, and and um, you wonder, okay, are they going to choose his side over my side when you're not really looking for sides? But um, there is a a degree of shame and intimidation because people look at look at you and people can be very cruel because a lot of people will say well what did you do
1: Mm. yeah you know that's a big part of it too yeah you're right yeah yeah Yeah, so
4: to have to answer uh those questions with people who sometimes don't really have bad intentions the it's just that the wrong thing comes out and what they they're asking questions out of concern not realizing that they're
1: re-victimizing the victim. So, so for someone who is uh, listening and who might be dealing with uh, some difficult uh, circumstances, uh, let's end this by you, you offering up um, the best advice you can for those who are victims of domestic violence, be it men or woman, and what they can do to get themselves out and get their lives back on track.
4: Uh, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to leave two phone numbers that they can call and get all kinds of Absolutely. Free assistance. Absolutely. Please do. Counseling, uh, court advocacy, right. orders of protection. Right. One of the most important things, if you know and you realize that you're in a domestic violence situation, I would begin by making a safety plan.
5: Okay. Nobody
4: knows your situation better than you. Right. So if you're a parent, uh, start making copies of birth certificates, social security cards, because the first thing a, an abuser is going to go for is your cell phone and your personal documents. Wow, so good. while it's going on in your head, start making copies of those things that you're going to need your driver's license. Sure. I mean, everything that you're going to need to start all over again make good copies of those and give them to someone you can trust Okay. because the day that you end up leaving may be a day that you you may have to just leave as you are and you may not have time to gather all these things okay start putting back uh five dollars a week or something like that so that once you do get out if you need to go get a, a hotel room and that's something that i tell people who have friends and loved ones who may be experiencing some kind of domestic violence and they want to help. And I tell them, put some cash back just for that person, because you may not want them to come to your house because you don't want, you know, the drama at your house. But you can, one of the most important things that a person fleeing a domestic violence relationship will need is some sleep. Okay. So the day that they leave, say, hey, you can't come here, but I'm going to put you up for a night in this hotel, and all I want you to do is sleep.
1: Right, okay.
4: Because you don't know how sleep-deprived you are until you actually get out of that situation. Right. And you realize, you know, I've been sleeping, but I haven't been resting. Wow. But two of the main agencies here in Memphis and Shelby County are the Family Safety Center and the Crime Victims rape crisis center right both of those agencies uh will help you as it relates to getting an order protection possibly getting an, a warrant for an arrest free counseling emergency housing court advocacy and things that you're going to need along the way as a legal uh on the legal side point but even if you don't uh, go through the legal process. I'm a proponent for counseling because one thing that I lost during, uh, my time was myself. And I did not realize, you know, how much of me I did not have anymore. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of talk it out. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't think they need. But I promise you, if you only go for three sessions and you can call those two places okay. and all services are free and confidential and especially crime victim right prices, because if you've been injured, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you had some medical issues and you couldn't go to work. Mm-hmm. They also offer victims compensation.
1: Wow. Gwen, uh, as always, uh, a tremendous amount of information, valuable information, important information for people. Who are in these situations? I can't thank you enough for coming on You're the show so welcome. and 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 really, um, you know, uh, urging folks that you don't have to be a victim and stay in these situations. Uh, it may be difficult now, but there's always hope on the other side. And uh, absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. I'm gonna bother you again next year. How about that?
4: All right. You can call me before then if you know you. I'm going to call you.
1: I'm going to call you just so I can just, I said, I didn't want nothing. I'm just, I'm just calling you just to say hi.
4: (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And let me give you those numbers. Go ahead, please. Mm -hmm. Uh 901-222-3950. 3950. 3950. Okay. That's the Crime Victim Center or the Family Safety Center, 222-4400.
1: Gwen, thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the conversation. And we'll talk soon. Stay safe, okay?
4: All right. You too. Okay. Take care. Bye
1: bye. That was uh, an amazing conversation. We're going to take a final break. And when we come back, I said earlier it's uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we're going to speak with a survivor and someone who is fighting every day uh, to stay in this life. And she's got a story to tell and to share. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. We'll be right back.
3: saturday i go to fifth city but every sunday morning i hang out with brandy rinks for her putting on airs country honky-tonk folk she's the best y'all tune in every sunday from 9 to 10 a.m
0: zach ives my show a box of records plays every tuesday night 4 p.m to 6 p.m right here on wyxr 91.7 fm memphis tennessee
4: This is Janet, host of Jaunt with Janet, Wednesdays from 4 to 6 p.m., bringing you new releases in the rock, pop, and electronic genres with a little bit of the old fused in. All here on WYXR Memphis, 91.7 FM.
0: It's real talk, it's real talk.
1: And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. I am your host, Chip Washington. Had a really good show so far tonight. Uh, We talked a little bit about higher education at Rust College with President Dr. Ivy Taylor. Then we uh, had a great um, and very uh, uh, down-to-earth, real conversation about domestic violence as this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month with Gwen Turner. Uh, I was hoping to have Paris Smith uh, on. Uh, She uh, is a breast cancer survivor. This is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Of course, the Susan G. Coleman uh, Race for the Cure uh, event uh, is uh, going on this month. Uh, Lots of um, uh, activities and events uh, all across the country to raise money, to raise awareness, to raise support. For breast cancer um, survivors, um, of course, we have lost thousands of, of folks, uh, and I, and I I would I don't think I'm overstepping to say that each and every one of us at one point or another has lost or knows someone who has dealt with breast cancer, uh, you know, in the, in this life because it, it it seems like it is a very um, you know, relatively common, you know, occurrence. Uh, you know, for some folks, I know. Uh, have you had had any? I had my first mammogram. You had your first mammogram. Well, that's a good thing. Everything good with that? I'm talking to DJ Lola, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, but but it is an important component. I don't know what happened uh, with uh, my last guest, but you know, sometimes in the radio game, these things happen. I don't know. We've been going back and forth with the. And I don't know if she's listening or can hear us or anything like that. I'm looking on the board here to see if she pops up. But uh, but in any event, um, for those of you out there who have um, had uh, an episode uh, with breast cancer awareness, I know um, I read stories every day about folks, uh, and it seems to be um, a genetic uh, situation where, you know, folks will say that their mother, you know, had it, their grandmother had it, and, and they were treated, and then the next thing they know that uh, they themselves uh, had a mammogram and found that there was cancer in the system, and it was spreading quickly, and they had to have a radical uh, surgery to be able to sort of stem the tide, so to speak. Uh, But uh, for those of us out there who uh, know folks uh, who have have gone to glory um, from breast cancer, who are dealing with that illness and that sickness, I think she's there. I think she's there. Uh, hello? I think she's there. <laughs> I think she's there. We're just talking. There she is. Hey. Paris, are you there? Hello? hey hey i'm glad i'm glad we we got you on we have a, just do we have a couple of minutes left but i'm glad yeah. you, i'm glad you made it i'm glad you made yeah. it uh paris smith uh is a breast cancer survivor she's a young woman i saw uh on facebook i read her story and i was riveted and i reached out to her to see if she would come on and and, and share a little bit um, of her story um first of all how you doing how you feeling
5: I'm doing good. I'm feeling okay. I um actually have surgery tomorrow, so my nerves have been
4: kind
1: of oh goodness everywhere. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Well, we're gonna we're gonna lift you up in prayer for sure. Thank in, you so in, much. In terms Thank of you. that, but uh, your breast cancer battle has been pretty intense. Can you give us uh, just a just a just a kind of a brief uh, synopsis of what you've been dealing with in terms of that?
5: So, yeah, so I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer back in March of this year. Um, No family history, no nothing. It was just really like a fluke.
4: Wow. And
5: um, so I went through six months of intense chemotherapy, and now I'm coming up tomorrow to have surgery, a mastectomy. So this has all been a a huge, um, like... Experience for me because I've never dealt with this before, I never had a family member to deal with it. So, this is all brand new to me for sure.
1: Wow, this, this, and this, and this really speaks to just how, you know, suddenly you could be living your life one minute and the next minute you know a uh, routine uh, exam or what have you and, and you get the worst exactly. type of, 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 of diagnosis. Um, and you said that you didn't have a family history of this. Uh, since you have been, you know, um, dealing with this, I'm sure that you probably met other folks, maybe survivors or, or other yeah. people, um, you know, who, who, who can share your journey with you. How important has that been to you?
5: Oh, very important. It, 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 it helps me through this journey because it's good, always good to meet people who are going through or have been through mm-hmm. situations like you. It may not be the same thing, but to hear that they've been a 10 or 15 or 20 year, you know, breast cancer survivor, that helps me so much because I know it gives me hope mm-hmm. that, you know, what I'm going through, somebody else has been through and they've overcome it and have just, you know, been a survivor and have been able to help other people, which is what I I love to do and want to do in the future. Once this is all over with.
1: Well, you have a very determined spirit. um, And and I, and I picked that up from a a conversation you and I had offline. Uh, And, and, and and for those um, who are going through uh, what you're going through and dealing with it, what advice would you give them?
5: Um, Definitely. So I live by the motto, uh, beautiful with cancer. And that's just basically telling myself that, you know, you are beautiful on the inside, not just the outside, but the inside. Right. And you've got this, you know, I, I look in the mirror all the time and I'm like, you're going to beat this. You know, it's all about encouraging yourself, you know, uplifting yourself. Cause some people don't have that support, right. you know? So sometimes it takes you to uplift yourself, you know, to get through something like breast cancer, because it's not the easiest journey to be on, you know, and some people's, stages are different mine stage two somebody else is maybe stage three or four but the outlook on it is you know always good for your spirit because if you have a good outlook if you have a positive positivity is always key for me like I'm always positive you know even with my surgery tomorrow like I've been emotional but I'm like looking at the positive side of you know I have cancer but I'm looking at the positive side of you know it could have been worse it could have you know, been stage three or four, you know, so it's always how you look at your situation. And, you know, you just never know who you're inspiring. And that helps me because when I hear people inbox me or message me and say, man, you really inspired me. You're such an inspiration. You know, that helps me get through what I'm going through. So, you know, you just never know who you're touching. So it's always good to just look at the positive side. And, you know, sometimes that may not be easy. You know, sometimes you have to cry. Sometimes you have to be angry and mad. Yeah. But at the end of that, you know, you get right back up. You
1: keep fighting. You keep pushing. So Well, listen, listen, Paris. Um, we gotta get out of here. But listen, I wanna I wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you and thank um you. and and I and I know that everything's gonna come out okay and uh you be strong and I'm gonna have you back on the show down the road, okay, after all this is absolutely, said and done. yeah, but definitely. Thank, but thank you for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it.
5: Thank you for inviting
1: me. Thank you very much. And ladies Uh and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of Real Talk Memphis. Um, It's been a great show tonight. Thank you for the watching. Thank you for listening. Um, Keep supporting the show. Keep supporting the station. Uh, Talking Memphis is up next. Talking Memphis is up next, live. So stay with us. This is WYXR. I'm Chip. This is Real Talk, and we are out.
0: Bye.